again, everybody, and welcome to the Retro Monster Truck Review Podcast. My name is Josh Rhodes, and today we're talking about TNT Motorsports' event inside Louisville, Kentucky's Freedom Hall in 1987. My co-host for this episode is Doug Welker. Doug does an awesome column on Big Squid RC for Solid Axle Monster Truck Racing. It's called Monster Truck Madness. You should all check it out. As well as he runs the Trigger King RC Monster Truck Series, which is very near and dear to my heart. I want to touch on one thing here really fast before we get into this episode. Episode 2 was supposed to be all about Motor Rock Monster Madness. Unfortunately, when I recorded that episode with Chris Parrish, the audio file was corrupt. We lost the audio file. Uh, unable to get it back. So we're moving on. Uh, Me and Chris both agreed that instead of re-recording the episode, we want the conversation to feel fresh for you guys. So expect Chris Parrish back on this show very soon. Give him a follow, Mean Duck RC on Facebook as well as Instagram. Also, go give Action Tracks a watch on the Monster Blog YouTube channel. With all that said and the intro done, you know what that means, ladies and gentlemen. Let's fire those engines and get into the retro Monster Truck Review. Welcome again to the Retro Monster Truck Review, episode number two here. My guest this week, Doug Welker. Doug basically runs the Trigger King series, does help with a lot of the Big Squid RC stuff. You also have your own, uh, I believe you told me the other day, a Halloween podcast that you do as well. Yeah, I do a bunch of stuff. Uh, <laughs> I do a bunch of stuff, but as it yeah pertains to this, um, yeah, I, I guess I, I own Trigger King technically, but I mean, we've got a bunch of guys that actually do everything you know, within it, you're one of them that helps big time, of course. And, um, I'm the monster truck columnist for big And I guess as it pertains to this too, I have done various stints at Bigfoot before, uh, from 2004 to 2007. And then what was the other 2010 to 2012? But of course, you know, Bigfoot's pretty involved in trigger King with some mm-hmm. of the guys we run with, with that. So I feel like, um, always kind of involved somehow with what's going on down there. Well, either way, through Trigger King, everybody that's there has always has always been a monster truck fan. That's why we get into it. That's why we love it. And uh, yep. one of our classes, obviously, is the retro class. And mm-hmm. we're here at the Retro Monster Truck Review to talk retro monster truck racing. Uh, this event, though, Freedom Hall, Kentucky, in Louisville. Not the figure eight, to be confused. I had a few people asking me, oh, you're going to cover the figure eight? No. Well, me too. Freedom Hall. You, when you said let's do Louisville, of course, my mind immediately goes to we're going to go, you know, middle, late era TNT. So I was, mm-hmm. this is going to be interesting to talk about this one. Yeah, this one's a little bit different. This is inside the Freedom Hall. This is the year before we go into the point series with Bigfoot USA one, just showing off and Gravedigger really kind of getting together and bringing some awesome television production out there but this this right here is kind of before that and we kind of see an evolution in tnt right here with this event we start off on a roller hill which goes over a set of cars which ends over another roller hill and i think this event might be the reason why they don't use that roller hill going forward because of what happens in round two we'll get to that though Mm -hmm. Uh, our lineup though mike witten stomper rich hoosier bigfoot four Marv, Starvin Marvin Smith and Crimson Giant, uh, Buster Guffey, another an awesome name by the way, Buster Guffey, mm-hmm. Modern Day Outlaw, Larry Cook, Texas Toy, John Morin, no problem, no problem one by the way. This is the boat. Dale Hancock, Crimson Crusher, Chandler Lloyd in overtime, John Breen, Mad Dog, Bennett Clark, Clydesdale, Daryl Harris, and Casper, and Gold Dust Express is also listed here. But you don't see that truck, unfortunately. It looks like that truck actually goes out, which allows Casper to have a buy in round number one. We'll talk about some of the convolutedness of this exactly. broadcast. We'll talk there, about it. Yeah. Oh, there, there's a lot of it. Maximum earth-shaking power starts us off with the old TNT Motorsports intro. This is classic, Doug. I love this old classic TNT Motorsports intro with the announce. They, I'm going to call him the narrator. We'll put it's that very up. much a straight man. Like the very, it's it's very, it's not the monster truck announcer. It's like, hello, I am your father. I am announcing this show to you. <laughs> exactly. It's like it's not, yeah, it's not Steve Evans or the, you know, the brash in your face monster truck guy. 
exactly. It's not like Army Armstrong's welcome, or you don't hear Dave Grimm doing his classic, oh, oh yeah. or anything Whoa. like that. No, we'll hear Just, plenty of that later. Oh, God, yes, we will. Our live events announcers for the evening, by the way, two of the most contrasting styles you are ever going to hear, period. We've got one of the greatest of all time in Army Armstrong, and we've got Dave Grimm, who a lot of it, we all kind of chuckle when we hear that name as far as yeah. the old school monster truck guys. But Dave Grimm is, to me, he's still a classic monster truck announcer, but when you're paired with Army Armstrong, not exactly the pairing that you're really looking for here. As There's far as I'm anyway. Yeah, I mean, it's funny when the old school stuff, and as you keep doing this podcast, which is, a, I love that you're doing this, by the way, it's, I, there's so many, like, it's, it's funny when you really look back, there were a good amount of people that sort of did this, you don't remember sometimes some of them, obviously, Dave Grimm is memorable, mm. <laughs> but some of them are not memorable, and at least Dave Grimm is memorable. We'll say that. We can get into more of his stuff later. And he does have one of his classic lines in this. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, he definitely does. Uh, Army's booming voice is going to welcome us into Freedom Hall, though. Bigfoot is lining up. And then we hear off of the bright, off to the side, we hear Army say, uh, we're going to hear updates from Don Brightweiser, who is said to be a driver of the famous Bigfoot monster truck. Now, Doug, I don't know if you might know this guy more than me or have ever heard of this guy, but I don't recall of ever hearing this guy broadcasting or, or excuse me, uh, driving a Bigfoot trucking competition. So, and I, I feel bad because I've been in the intro. I was like, oh yeah, I know Bigfoot, but obviously I wasn't there in the eighties. I yeah. do know his name from there, even though, you know, I, I, I think I know a decent amount about monster truck history. I don't really know him well, but I do know, especially even from back in the day, people would call there asking for him. Mm -hmm. So I think just by that metric, <laughs> he clearly was there. <laughs> Um, I've heard Jim Cramer talk about him before. Like he was known. I just don't know. You know, he's not exactly a name synonymous with Bigfoot. Let's put it that way. And especially in this broadcast, he's kind of confusing almost as the guy on the ground. It's like, it feels like um, a little bit of this production. They were like, uh, Hey, can you just help do this? <laughs> One of these okay, kind of like, things. Here's a microphone. Go talk. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So we get into round one right here. They don't show qualifying. We just go straight into round one. And we start off with probably TNT would build this uh, for a few, maybe a couple of years. It's probably their rivalry. Mm -hmm. Bigfoot and Stomper, round number one. We got Mike Witt and Rich Hoosier here. Rich has always been, to me, kind of the unsung hero at Bigfoot as far as driving goes. He's got Bigfoot number four here. and It's a, a classic look for Bigfoot four. It's one I've tried to replicate on my RC truck for a number of years now just to try to get it right and every now and then i'll hit a little detail like oh i want that and i put that under the truck and stuff like that but this anyway, is iconic yeah this is yeah, an iconic this, this is look. an iconic look for bigfoot four stomper this is kind of i believe they just got stomper bully repainted is mm -hmm. that right it's around so this, this is stomper bully era. repainted it on 66s so yep and i guess uh TNT owned Stomper. Did they own Stomper yes. at this? Okay. Yeah, that's yes, right. They own I, Stomper at this point because it's that classic. And, and honestly, classic yellow Stomper with a little bit of the red accent with the name on the side. Just it's a cool looking truck. Mm -hmm. It's too bad. It never really could translate to the racetrack for Stomper. Yeah, it never did. And I think that uh, as we get into this, I, you know, when they, they talk about the rivalry, it was a rivalry in as much as, you know, scissors and rock our rivalry in paper, <laughs> rock, scissors. Exactly. Um, I believe they, there was a few times I'd heard in uh, different TNT broadcasts that they try to say Stomper is the number one Chevrolet truck in the country. And I'm, I'm just hearing a guy in Minnesota just tapping his foot like, okay, really? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, Hey, they have to do like, that's what a lot of this show, which I love watching this one, but it's funny that this era of TNT early, you know, which is obviously the earliest just feels drastically different from even a year later mm -hmm. it uh it's like the beta test in a lot of ways it feels like the production on the tv show is kind of crazy and rushed here like at the beginning you know there's no real it looks like you're just dumped into the arena while stuff is just going on and that's kind of confusing from a broadcast perspective you know it's kind of confusing from a fan perspective too well, yeah you walk in you're like oh there's a pulling track and there's a monster truck track but you don't really understand what's going on between them. And you're going to hear a lot throughout this entire broadcast where the monster truck announcers are talking about, Oh, he's going to go to the final. Okay. You said that six times. Who's going to the final. I, yeah. Um, I think I heard that. And I remember um, we have some notes, pre notes uh, show 
show notes here. And um, I think whenever I, because I watched it right before we we're on here again, I've seen this show many times over the years, of course. This yeah, broadcast. As, of, as have I, but I've, um, I've also watched this show the last couple of days as well, just to refresh my memory on everything. Sure. And when you're ready to, you know, to do, we're going to do a show like this. That's when I was like, okay, I really need to brush up on this. It seems like they're more just trying to to hype up, like every truck could go to the finals. I think yeah. that's like, I think this guy can go to the final. This guy. I think that's what they're more doing here versus just uh, out of order rounds for the most part. Yeah. But um, there's just a lot of like the big the Bigfoot Stomper thing here. It's kind of just the hyping of it, right? They're trying yeah. to just make it sound like it. Because boy, you look back here and you look even a year later at TNT, and even though the trucks are sort of the same era, I guess they're really not because you're talking. You know, these are stage one trucks, pretty much. Yeah, it seems like. Um, I don't know. You one... can almost say Bigfoot's right at the edge of stage one with well, four here. Well, I yeah, I think if you're trying to imply that's kind of a stage two, I think that's the case. Bigfoot four is such a different vehicle. Yes, it feels like a caliber of truck from these other ones, and that's where the TNT would go on to have great drama in the racing. Oh yeah, and um, we'll. Well, we can talk Mad Dog here in a minute. I'll save some yeah. of these points for Mad Dog because Mad Dog does feel like a different truck in this lineup too. Yes, and it does. It feels Mad like Dog a different seems caliber. like it's a little bit ahead of his time. You could also say Crimson Crusher kind of as well, but we'll we'll get to that race here in a little bit. Yeah. This race right here, Bigfoot is just so smooth. I don't believe that Mike Witt even had a chance. Foot is smooth over the hill. That's where Bigfoot's going to win a lot of races here is over that hill mm -hmm. at the very start. Stomper launches it. Foot, nice, low, and then launches it over the cars. Yep. And it almost seems like Hoosier's out of the throttle after he lands off the cars and just kind of coasts over the hill because he knows that Witt's going to kind of back off. He's behind at this point. It seems exactly. like every race that Bigfoot wins, he goes straight to the tunnel. Like he doesn't even want to stop, wave the crowd, anything. Just land boom over the hill straight to the tunnel i know it's a very business-like this is a very business-like or workman-like thing with with bigfoot and i agree on rich hoosier by the way that you know he's it's not that he's not thought of as a classic bigfoot driver he is but he doesn't really you know he's he doesn't get the fanfare of like kramer or brass he was unfortunately stuck for him unfortunately kind of stuck in between there but he did a lot of tnt driving he did a lot of TNT. He did some USHRA, like yep. one of my more favorite events that I'm going to cover on this podcast soon, uh, Minneapolis 88. Where he Which is a great one. That's a great one. The, it's an all-time. That's a great race, but he dominates that race. I mean, I've, I've, I've watched that. That's probably the event that I wore out the most when I was a kid because that was one mm -hmm. was on the VHS tape. Hoosier mm -hmm. just dominates that race. Just like he's going to dominate here. I'm going to spoil it, but. <laughs> I don't think we're spoiling anybody who's. Anybody who's listening to this podcast probably has a, you know, a pretty good idea who's going to win this. Race. Of old school monster trucks and knows that generally this first year of Bigfoot, I mean, it was, I mean, it was a beat down pretty much almost exactly. every there one was, of these. There was you know. always a blue truck. It seemed like in the final and probably winning at this point. Uh, next yep. round though, we've got Crimson Giant here, Marvin Smith, modern day outlaw. Again, probably the greatest name in early monster trucks, Buster Guffey. I just mm -hmm. love that. A uh, huge hole shot by Marvin here in the Crimson Giant and called expertly by Army Armstrong, if I might add. Giant really has a picture-perfect pass, staying nice and low to the ground, low over the cars, low over that last hill, and he just kind of blows Buster away here. Yep. Again, it a different felt like a different caliber of truck. Marvin Smith, exactly. you know, was a little bit – I don't think – Crimson Giant wasn't really – I don't know if ahead of the time is the right word, but it was definitely one of the better trucks of the era. Let's just, I, I'd say it that way. And he's a good driver. Oh yeah. That's part of the reason I think that they kind of recruited him as stomper two mm -hmm. with, with Mike Witt having stomper one and this truck coming along and eventually becoming stomper two. Mm -hmm. it, I mean, it made a lot of sense for Marvin to kind of take on the role of the TNT TV star, which he would later become. You wouldn't see much of Mike Witt mm -mm. in TNT broadcasting. You would definitely see Marvin Smith, though, because he had the personality as well. Marvin Smith is another guy that's kind of an unsung hero in monster trucks. He always had that grin on his face, too, in an interview. After he finished it up, you'd see that little grin like, OK, Marvin's got something up his sleeve. Mm -hmm. but I think that's part of the reason Army wanted to give him a strong nickname, like he gave most of the guys that seemed like on the tour a different kind of nickname or a different way to refer to them so people could identify with them yeah give them personality yeah exactly. try to give them personality for sure texas toy and no problem here right now but uh this race doug i gotta tell you honestly i would have called it different 
as far as who was going to win this, because the way I remembered Texas toy back in the day was there was no low end, but plenty of top end on Texas mm-hmm. toy. No problem. Seemed like it was just in that perfect middle ground to be able to do this type of track very easily. However, Texas toy kind of makes this look like a blowout. It does make it look easy. And actually it's funny, this event, um, Texas toy does quite well here. We'll just say, yes. and it, it, I don't really, the same thing. My memories are skewed of Texas toy. So I don't really remember a lot of it running, I guess, or racing. And most of when I do, it was like a one and done. It felt like, mm-hmm. but uh, it looks pretty good here with the long wheelbase. And I always forget too, how short that, that first Bronco was. Um, oh yeah. That first Bronco reminds me a lot of a lot of people that would watch modern day monster trucks would really would look at the, uh, the rockstar truck. That oh yeah. Really short wheelbase truck. That's what no problem is here. And uh, this no problem, by the way, is also a registered marine craft as well as a boat. There were a few events I remember seeing a propeller on the back of this, just a little small propeller, like they're making yeah, a joke problem. out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Like on the hitch or something, his cover, mm-hmm. something like that. I remember that too. Yeah. Um, kind of that's all there really is to say on this one. It's a. Now, there, there's one more thing to say, and that's that Dave Grimm analogy that probably started <laughs> this whole thing. Well, Army, Texas Toy had no problem beating no problem thank oh, yes. you dave Grimm, for such wonderful announcing right there <laughs> and bringing that up uh we get a little bit of a break in the action and we get a chance to meet don brightweiser for the first time he gives us a little bit of information that's going on here states that bigfoot and stomper is one of the biggest rivalries in the monster truck business i would say he's right for tnt i would not say he's right for the entire business because at this time bigfoot barefoot Bigfoot USA one, even Bigfoot and Gravedigger at this or the point. Kongs. I mean Bigfoot and Kong. Yes. I mean, I rate every one of those above Bigfoot and Stomper. I'm sorry. Yeah, you don't really think of it much, but it should make sense. And I know that when there's Chevy backing and everything, it does, and they kind of got to play it up. Absolutely realize it. Uh, I just again as even as a kid who grew up in St. Louis, I don't remember much of that at all being a rivalry. You know, at the yeah, time. I- I honestly, this is the first time I'd ever even heard them say that, oh, this is one of the greatest rivalries in motorsports. I disagree. I think it's, yeah. I think it's, it's just a, hyping. It's, it's a sure. good, it's a good Chevrolet truck and the best Ford truck. That's mm-hmm. what it is. Yes, I would agree. Uh, Crimson Crusher up next versus Overtime. We've got Chandler Lloyd here in Overtime. I really always thought this was an underrated truck. I always love the look of Overtime. Mm-hmm. Crimson Crusher, though, is taking it a complete different route tire-wise. We've seen 73-inch tires to this point. We've seen 66-inch Goodyears to this point. Now we've got Dooley Rice and Canes on Crimson Crusher here against these guys, which is a complete different route that a lot of people – probably wouldn't go but it really worked on crimson crusher it it may have added a little bit more weight to the truck but still i mean it really worked for uh dale hancock here it was and i think i we should probably reserve some of the talk to the next round i believe it is for crimson crusher when the iconic thing happens but i think that um this tire choice was smart because there were so many other trucks back then Mm -hmm. you know the crusher wasn't necessarily wildly different construction it also, it made wise it stand out too it, it did really it made it stand out it did and uh you know it was it was a very well done truck even for the, like the era as far as you know we're kind of in the era where the paint jobs really matter and everything and even the axles and everything were mm-hmm. all painted uh, to match and it looked really sharp but those gold wheels you know the gold wheels with the dual tractors those were again i, I say iconic i know it's not necessarily an iconic monster truck but something important with crimson crushers i remember uh, there was a poster of it available at the book fair as a mm-hmm. kid and you can Google this picture and it's, it's there um, for Crimson Crusher. And it's funny that I, it probably doesn't happen if it's just a regular truck with 66s. Uh, it's just funny that that's just one of those things I remember that that was one of the, you could find it at book fairs. A lot of yeah, kids would see it that way. That's one of the things that at least in this era that you wanted to do was stand out and really mm-hmm. catch a kid's eye. Um, Dave Grimm's at it again, though, here. He goes, where's our Chevrolet fans? And then just repeats the word Chevy. <laughs> you gotta yeah. love his, his, his announcing was different and made him stand out. That's why we still remember his name, speaking of standing out. Anyway, uh, yeah. Crimson Crusher, they say he goes nuts here over this track, and he certainly does. Dale Hancock puts it to the wood right here to try to get past He does. And that- he's, he's gone from overtime in Chandler Lloyd. This, really watching this event, I know what happens in the next round but it reminded me of 
or surprised me, I guess, in how quick the crusher actually was. He drove it really yes. hard. Yeah, and honestly, I think that might have been one of one of the first races that Dale Hancock had attended, and he probably really wanted to try and prove that truck's worth. Mm -hmm. So I can see him going out here and doing this uh, and really pushing this truck, which we find out that he does. He does. He yoloed it. <laughs> Mad Dog in Clydesdale is next. Mad Dog representing Chevrolet, the, the camp of Missouri. John Breen, one of the classic names in monster trucks. We hear every now and then people just randomly say his name or his brother Bob's name just because, you know what? They're catchy names. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Breen boys. Oh, yeah. Uh, we see Clark coming, Brent Minute Clark coming out of the tunnel, the original Clydesdale. Just, uh, it's a plain-looking truck. Uh, there's, there's really not much to talk about on the original Clydesdale. It just looks like a big jacked-up truck on 66s and just mm -hmm. has the name Clydesdale on the side, whereas Mad Dog, this truck is unique in the sense that it's almost scary that it's legal to compete with the way the top of the truck is configured it's just a halo style roll cage directly over john breen's head with a wing on top of it it's radical i mean this truck really looks radical especially it would go on to be radical looking even with tnt but you know the the different version of the truck mm -hmm. the blue chassis um but it's still i mean even today it looks radical like for for the era it's just it's pretty crazy how what this truck looks like it looks like it would be very ahead of things yes and it, it certainly was as far as suspension wise goes mm -hmm. at this time the breens could make a truck at this era run extremely well there are other events and i personally when i was growing up i'd never seen mad dog win an entire event mm -hmm. but if you look back there are a couple of events out there where you can watch john breen just absolutely obliterate the bracket Mm -hmm. and go through these guys like they're they're nothing and like he's created a truck here that is capable of keeping up with bigfoot and i think throughout this event they do talk about how well you know mad dog and bigfoot in the finals when he meets bigfoot in the finals they mention it several times when john breen's on screen that by god he's going to go to the final mm -hmm. but anyway not to spoil anything here uh 24 shock absorbers by the way on clydesdale that had to be some kind of a record at the time <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was astronomical crazy how much what it had under it off the line huge advantage for breen he rolls the hill and then launches over the crush cars just like bigfoot does something to keep in mind though breen's doing this in the right lane bigfoot was doing this in the left lane so you knew breen breen almost had to know at the time okay bigfoot's tq i'm gonna have to get used to this other lane yeah and that the uh again this race whenever you watch it well, it's just mad dog kind of shoots out again yeah. mad, mad dog visually looks like one of the fastest vehicles here on this evening yes it does and the finish line shows it whenever he's <laughs> yeah. it's almost a precursor to what happens in that lane in the next round i mean it is with him it is this is the better way it could have gone <laughs> exactly uh, we get an interesting call from Dave Graham on the finish line after the race says that Mad Dog almost went over. He would have, would have had their second accident here tonight, which is a mystery to me because at this point we've not seen another accident in this show. Yeah, I don't know if he's foreshadowing or if he can see in the future or what here as far as what's going to happen, but I don't recall there being another accident unless he's maybe speaking of a pulling event that we didn't see. I, to me, this sounded like a production gap. Like, I don't know how this was recorded. I would assume they weren't do, just doing live commentary. They came to a booth after and did something over on the tape. Yeah. I, I don't know. The production on this is very confusing. Yeah. Uh, on how they, extent, yes. on how they did these races to where it sounds like live, some of it's live, you know, off the, the live event mics, but some of it also sounds like they went back to the studio and yeah did some microphones to make it sound like an event mic yeah and so i don't know if it, he just kind of screwed up in saying that knowing what was going to happen here or what the deal was but i thought that was interesting too whenever he did say that because it's nothing is shown on tv as far but, as another wreck happening yeah right? it's just it's, maybe it's a truck nothing. getting a wall or something like that you don't sure. hear that in the monster trucks yeah uh, round number two here though this is the round that we're, we're going to be speaking a lot of right now Bigfoot, Crimson Giant, Army miscalls this at the beginning, a very rare mistake for Army Armstrong, I might say, calling this the semifinals, mm -hmm. when in fact there's really six of 12 trucks remaining here. Uh, Bigfoot in the left lane, obviously number one qualifier. He's got the choice of which lane that he wants to go to, and we, as we said earlier with Bigfoot, he, he wins a race, he goes straight to the tunnel, and that doesn't stop him right here. That's what Rich Hoosier does. 
perfect launch over the hill. It's this classic style Bigfoot run over the hill, launches the cars, and mm-hmm. then just casually glides over the hill at the end and goes straight to the tunnel and probably beats uh, Marvin here by, I would say, at least two truck lengths. Yeah, this is a beatdown race. And again, as Rich gets more comfortable with this, you know, the, the track here. And Bigfoot 4 handles this really well, this track. Yes. Um, uh, one thing to note here too, now that I'm kind of really thinking about this, that right lane had to be pretty scary for these guys because you had a pulling lane to the far left, then you had a monster truck race lane and then a monster truck race lane inside Louisville Freedom Hall. I've been to Freedom Hall. It's, it's not that wide of a facility. That's let's talk about that because they don't really show the pulling track, but you can see it's off to the side and yes. my understanding of Freedom Hall, which by the way, they do the big uh, national farm show uh, machinery show championship tractor pull every yeah. uh february normally um they it's a small place i've always heard it's a tiny place so the fact that they have you know a pulling track and the two monster truck tracks it looks it looks bigger in there just because they have the three things laid out but as far as i know the real estate of the place is tiny so you're right that right lane yeah you're you don't have much freedom as a driver yeah, you're right there with the crowd. With i think as, far, as fast as you're going to go in that right lane was demonstrated by John Breen in the previous round. Mm-hmm. He, he really put that truck to the test in that right lane, and I don't think he liked it very much at all. Uh, definitely not race, at the though, end of it. Yeah, yeah, definitely not at the end of it. It seems like his head was just going every which way mm-hmm. in that cockpit. Next race, though, Texas Toy and Casper. You couldn't get two more different trucks right here. We've got a giant Toyota on 73-inch tires and a really long wheelbase Ford diesel truck on 66s that's just that's probably the longest wheelbase for the era and probably the tallest in the era probably the yeah. one of them i mean the, well i don't know you about had you, had, you, you had samson one and Duraliner that were probably height wise a little taller but lengthwise texas toys still probably got a, oh yeah quite a few trucks covered to this day uh even the modern you know the rebuilt texas toy um today which is one of the best looking trucks brought back um is super i mean it looks super long now it's still mm-hmm. compared to the, the other trucks that are back you know brought back oh, yeah, um, i just saw a video of that truck crushing cars here a little while ago and it's really awesome to see a truck from this era that we all know kind of just fell on hard times and was just ran in somebody's i want to say their field for quite some time just as a, a play toy get restored into a really quality piece that probably is going to end up at the international monster truck museum and hall of fame. It has to, I would th- I would it think has it. to be there for at least the hall of fame inductions, just, just to be there surrounded by some of the trucks that it competed against back in the day. That would be co- really cool to see. Yeah. Uh, one thing though, I got to say, they pick on John Moore again here. I can't understand why you got to pick on poor little John Moore, Texas toy rolled over. No problem with pause. No problem. Got to go to that pun. <laughs> they got to go to that. Well, one more time for that joke. I yep. guess. Uh, we, we pick up here. We got to pick on John Moore. I still don't understand why. Anyway, uh, I really don't agree with that. They called Casper untested. Dale had to still make a clean legal pass to bring this truck into this round. Yep. Granted, he probably did a slower legal pass than normal just to save equipment, but he's not untested. He has a familiarity on this course and he proves it right here. Texas toy, as we've stated, slow off the line, picks up on the top end. And by the end of this race, yes, Casper jumps out to an early lead, but here comes uh, Texas Toy right at the line. And almost if there's another 10 feet added to that line, Texas Toy nips him. Yeah. And something else I, I wanted to say with this, because it just reminded me with the no problem thing. First off, this was a good race and it, it was a good old school race, I think. Yes. R- really entertaining, especially with two trucks that are wildly different. It seemed like um, as far as the big tall trucks go racing wise that Casper was a pretty good truck for, you know, normally the 73 inch trucks were, they're not exactly known for being speed demons out there. Um, For some reason, his truck, it seemed like it did have quite a bit of speed to match, to match the the truck's look. Yeah. Another one. It's another one that's unique out there. It's a Toyota. We don't have many Toyotas in this area at all. Something else funny with that too, is that the other, some of the other big trucks, maybe looked a little bit better put together and Mm -hmm. what i mean by that you know casper is a cool looking old school truck but it does kind of look i don't know what the word is here it doesn't look as well engineered as like a samson 
No. Or even like Duraline or Giant. But it looks like a shade tree mechanics truck with an awesome paint job. It does. And the funny part, though, is it seemed to run well, though, for what it was. And mm -hmm. I would think in a race, I would take it over those other two, which were probably more mechanically put together. Um, it, it, I agree. Looking wise, it, it yeah, Casper wasn't much of a looker. It was more of a runner, even though, of course, I do think it looks cool, especially yeah. we talked about I mean, any any truck on 73s to me looks cool. Yes, this this yep. is one of them. This is a, probably at the time the world's tallest Toyota. Well, remember too that roll bar on the back looks crazy with all those bars and that light blue, and it looks like a ramp on the back <laughs> of it. Like yeah, it's a exactly it's a pretty wild looking roll bar for it. So um, before this next race, which we're going to spend a lot of time on of this, you know, one thing I I did want to say here was in my notes that before each round when they're trying to hype up stuff, it shows the guys driving out of the tunnel. Yeah, this this track looks like it was a real pain in the butt to get trucks staged up on, especially you had trucks that didn't have the good four wheel steer. A lot of them mm -hmm. at this time, I don't even know if they all had four wheel steer and it looks like this event probably took forever to get the truck staged. Cause there just yeah, wasn't much I, room. I think too, uh, being as there's a pulling track that you don't quite see off to the right hand side. I can imagine some of those guys back there that are pulling, Mm -hmm. See those monster trucks coming out of the tunnel. They want them absolutely nowhere near that pulling track. They don't want those terra tires touching their surface. I, so saw, I can imagine they've, they've got to hug that white line going all the way down there and then try and curve in to 45 it on the line. And there's actually, now that you bring that up, uh, there was a couple instances where it looked like some trucks were launching off the line with their tires still turned like they were backing in. Yeah, that's uh, it. It looked like um, it, it messed with the races too because you had non-self-center rear steer where you know I've even I've I've got to mess with that before in driving Bigfoot One, to where you just have to stick your head out the window and just kind of, you know, it might look straight, but until you go forward, then you realize oh, it's not quite straight. Yeah. And so that kind of it affected the competition, I think, and also the night of the event. I'm sure it just took forever to get trucks lined up there for a quick race, but I, it was just something to note. It looked like it was a major effort because you also had the sled on the other side. So even if you couldn't be on the track, you definitely can't go over the sled, which was staged yeah. down by the starting line. So it's just something interesting to note that I, I, I thought it just looked like it was super tight and it was hard to get those trucks staged in. Yeah, it, it definitely was. And that goes back to the point I made about the right lane too. I mm -hmm. mean, it, it's so tight right there. It almost makes you think that they had to line the trucks up in the right lane before they could the left lane. But I don't think they did that. I think they probably just lined up whoever got out there first. Yeah, the same, I, it probably. Speaking though, next race is probably, at least to me, and I know I might get a little flack for this. To me, this is the race of 1987. This is the tightest race that you're going to see on this tight of a course, Mad Dog Crimson Crusher. This race is really remembered here for what happens at the end of the track. But for me and a lot of other guys, probably yourself as well, it's more remembered for that iconic shot of those two trucks side by side over the cars coming to the finish line. Yeah. It's like, uh, again, it's a great race. This is as entertaining as a small layout in the late eighties is ever going to be. And I get, as somebody who attended event, I mean, I was really young back then in 87. Okay. I was three or three or four. And yeah, depending when this one actually took place and, but still this style was that way for a few years. And I remember going to the small arenas like this. And now people look back at how boring it, you know, some younger people maybe think it was boring, but even this is entertaining to watch this race, even from the lens of modern where we're used to trucks backflipping and all kinds of crazy stuff because oh, yeah. the competition is good. You can tell both of these guys are running these trucks as hard as they will go. And it's, it's just a great race. And again, it, you know, it's, you do see that shot on all the promo material of the trucks flying over, ignoring the end, which is exciting in and of itself. It's uh, mm -hmm. yeah, it's a classic race. And again, from back then, I don't, in 87, I don't know if there were a lot of candidates for your best race, necessarily. There um, might have been USHRA-wise. Uh, one of Colby Marshall, uh, somebody has helped me out with this uh -huh. podcast quite a bit, has told me he really enjoys Houston 87 with Bigfoot and Barefoot in the final. Okay, that that's, yes. And that's I, a really good race. But to me, there is nothing that beats this side-by-side -side finish that we have here. And what adds to it is the fact that at the end, spoiler alert here, Crimson Crusher endos straight over and just, obliterate it's, it's one of the great awesome this truck. is one of the great accidents in monster truck history in yes. this race and houston was great 
but Houston was in the Astrodome and there was yeah, room. They had plenty of room to do what they had there. This is in the confines of Louisville, Kentucky's Freedom Hall. Yes, you're, it's tiny and it's that's where it's special to get that entertaining. So finally, the elephant in the room, let's talk about the ending here because this is one of the, I mean, this was used in so much promotional material. Oh yeah. Um, arguably Crimson Crusher is famous because of this. I mentioned the book, you know, the book fair thing too, that picture was out there and the look of it, but this really put the stamp and this is like why this truck is really, there's a couple little things. It's funny for a truck that really didn't do a lot of things. It's what it's remembered fondly. And this is one of the reasons it is, is yeah. for this. Oh yeah. Uh, one thing here I want to point out the difference between army Armstrong and Dave Grimm right here. You hear Dave Grimm and his classic, Oh, call. <laughs> and he goes, there it is. That's all you hear out of Dave Grimm right there. But you hear army immediately go serious. And he yeah. immediately says, uh, be advised, we need no cigarettes in the area, no cigarettes that, in the area. That line, uh, I mean, that's crazy line. Yeah, you, you can definitely tell this, this is definitely the 80s right here. Uh, yeah, to have the track officials smoking cigarettes, you know, make sure you stay away from it because there's racism. No, no cigarettes in the area. And then he turns around and says, uh, okay, it looks like D Dale Hancock is all right. This is motorsports, ladies and gentlemen. Hancock gets out and you see uh, Don Breitweiser and Marvin Smith at his side. Marvin looks incredibly concerned for Dale here. Mm -hmm. We didn't even say really, I guess, completely what happens. I guess we should, uh, you know, it does endo. Yes. But it's the way that rear end catches that hill. Yeah. The re what, what really killed him right here was the long, and this can go right at the ending of the launch or excuse me, the landing off the cars because the rear is kind of doing one of those bouncing hopping things. Mm -hmm. uh, you can see a similar accident with Stomper as well. I forget the event off the top of my head, but I do remember Stomper catching the, the backside of that hill in a real, real weird rear end bounce yep. and going and just slowly rolling over just almost exactly like uh, Crimson Crusher does right here. Yep. It's that rear end catch when you get the, 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 the rear bounces and you hit the, you hit it. It's like, it's the worst, it's the worst kind of thing and they'll kick it over. And yeah, this, um, it looks crazy. And I understand why Marvin Smith was concerned because it looks like the whole top is crushed on the truck. Yes. It's really amazing that we didn't really have like the fatalities with some, like you think of, um, Kramer's famous thing in Indianapolis with that. that that's still to me, the scariest end over end rollover of all time. Uh, people will compare it to this. You can't really compare it because Kramer's doing a lot quicker of a speed and he's in two wheel drive. He's launching, landing, and the truck just, oh, it's it's still hard to. Uh, I remember hard, talking hard to, to, to Julie, uh, Jim's wife, you know, because over the years, just kind of BS because Kramer's done and seen everything. He's like the best story in monster truck racing ever. Like his stories, man, what he forgets is better than most. Yeah. And, um, yeah, the Indy race is looked at very scary because of that and how that cab went. You're talking speed. The one thing I'll say, though, this, and Dale actually, I don't want to jump the gun here, but in, in the interview afterwards when he's there on the ground, he's talking, and he said that um, he, he was concerned with the fans. The one yeah. thing that this was dangerous for, Indy had the room. You were in the RCA dome, and there really there wasn't the danger of like hitting the fans necessarily because you had all that room. Had he, he could have gotten out of this. Had he powered yeah, down. He, if he powered down, he's getting out of this. Problem but, is, is there's a wall right there. Yes. And he's probably, he could have jumped up, you know, the way these trucks are. He could have jumped up. It could have done the Don Van Loo bad medicine where it was a severe you know, hit. But the, the way that there were people there, and it was just interesting to hear that even during that, he was cognizant of it, mm -hmm. you know, that he knew he had a finite amount of real estate, he had to get this thing shut down. And he realized he lost his chance to save it right there. Exactly. It just, it was interesting. Um, as, and far was as, as far as safety wise, though, you're speaking that I'm going to speak on the actual safety that he was wearing at the time, which was none at all. He had a t-shirt <laughs> on with Crimson Crusher on it. He had a black neck brace and jeans and tennis shoes. That was it. That's early day monster truck racing for you. And he's out there, and you got to think too. At this point, even NASCAR drivers have fire suits on. These guys are out there running in bare minimum, and it's hard to believe that he, as unprotected as he looks, he still ran the truck as hard as he did. I know it's uh, fearless, and I guess you know back then a lot of these accidents hadn't happened yet. 
which is why even a year later you see the safety just yeah. look real. That's why this 87 is so kind of wild. It's like a wild west uh, to okay. where. It's definitely the wild west. Um, one thing he says is that uh, he believes the roll bar helped him out some in this rollover. I don't think it did at all. It didn't, it didn't uh, even look like it did anything. The whole cap. Yeah, it didn't, 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 didn't do anything. Much. It collapsed immediately <laughs> as it hit the ground. Uh, one thing he says in the interview too, I found interesting was, is he just got a roll cage. He just literally picked it up the day before this event. Didn't have time to weld it in. Yeah, it's, I, I yeah. bet it wishes he had time to weld that in looking yeah. at what happened at this event. Yeah. It's crazy. Especially, you know, with that hill at the end there because this almost happens to mad dog it's funny we talked about how mad dog and around before this had kind of the same thing but he powered out of it and could get out of it and had a little more yeah. room well it honestly i think mad dog had when mad dog did it the front tires are clearly on the ground after the hill uh-huh. when crusher does it he hits so hard with that rear end i don't think he even realizes he's gonna endo until he's literally looking down at the ground mm-hmm. before he's like oh crap <laughs> And then he yeah. has to hit the brakes. I don't think he even realized how where he was on the floor until he started to go up. And then he realized fans are right there. I can't really power out. So that's when you see him hit the brakes and the truck just fall over. Yep. Yep. Agreed. I mean, so it's again, that was used in a lot of promotional material and everything. It's a classic, uh, classic monster truck race. Exactly. And still to me, like I said, the race of 87. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get to the semi actually get to the semifinals now. With Casper and Bigfoot, Mississippi, St. Louis, Toyota, Ford, Casper stands much taller than Bigfoot 4 right here. You see a racing monster truck for the time versus a truck that you wouldn't expect to be as fast as it is Mm -hmm. being a racing monster truck at the time. Uh, Casper is not backing off over the hill. Bigfoot, though, shows where the advantage is in the suspension under Bigfoot 4, launches the cars, and again, launches the cars, seems like he gets out of the throttle, just kind of rolls over the hill and goes right to the pits. Mm-hmm. just moves on down the line like you yeah. said earlier business as usual for bigfoot right here taking out casper what's interesting in the next race though mad dog and the fastest loser texas toy this might have been one of the first times you saw a fast loser mm-hmm. actually score a win to go into another round yep albeit controversial fashion yeah i'll let you talk about that part of it but it, it is a surprise too and actually it's funny Watching this event again, I actually, I forgot Texas Toy and Bigfoot. Well, you're talking about who won, but I, I was confused. I actually thought Mad Dog won this. Like, I, I was actually surprised watching this, despite having seen this. It's been a little while since I've seen this event. Um, I was surprised at what happened here, actually. I just yeah. don't, yeah. Well, to explain what happens, Mad Dog comes out. He sits on the line for a little while, and apparently they're waiting for Texas Toy to fire in the pits and come out. So John does what anybody would do in the situation while they're waiting on their competitor. He just shuts the truck off. Problem is it doesn't refire. Mad dog has the lane that it wants. It has every advantage going for it. Problem is, is as soon as Texas toy comes out to run the race, they can't fire mad dog. I don't know how much time they're giving here in between. They don't really specify how much time he's given to refire or how much time it took Texas toy to get out there, but mad dog doesn't refire and you see Texas Toy makes a slow little pass just to advance into the next round. And then right before the finals, you see they're still moving Mad Dog off the track as Bigfoot's coming out. Yep. It was, and that's why I don't even remember this part. I guess that's why I never, I don't remember much about this part of it when I've watched it previously. Cause I remember the round before it is kind of the big one that you remember from the race. And yeah, to mm-hmm. me, he got jobbed here because you know, if this was a race, I'm sorry, if you were betting on who's going to win this race, I mean, yeah, John Breen's going to walk away from Texas toy. Texas toy would still be hitting the crush cars as mad dog is pulling around to come for the final against Bigfoot. Yeah. And I think that's how that race was going to go. No, it it was. And what we talked about earlier about the place being tight and hard to get the truck staged factored into this, I'm sure, because you had, um, what well, I'm guessing, too. you think too, we, we, we pointed out earlier, Texas toy has the longest wheelbase of any truck there. Yep. And he has to fit in the tightest turning spot to get into the lane that he's going to be into, which is the right lane. Yep. That dog's already lined up in the left lane waiting on him. He turns the truck off so it doesn't overheat. And then all of a sudden can't refire. Yep. Yep. It was a so, screwy situation and the venue contributed to it. And I'm sure yep. uh, I'm guessing with the fastest loser, probably, he took time getting out there because he wasn't sitting by the truck or something he had lost and probably was thinking that's it. And uh, again, I'm this conjecture or you know, just, you know, kind of, I was just thinking maybe how it went down, but reasonable, I think reasonable 
assumption for some of this. It's how it went down. But yeah, this definitely, this was a gift. And really, it should have been a, I don't know what you say here, really, I guess, because if the truck doesn't fire, but it shouldn't have been that much time given if the other guys on the line, probably. Exactly, exactly. And that, I think that's something that they nailed down within the next couple of years for TNT Yep, was the time limit. Uh, we get to the finals, though. Two big blue Fords, Texas Toy and Bigfoot. Uh, one thing I caught, I actually rewatched the final of this just before we started recording, and I, I couldn't believe what I heard. I had to go back and rewind it just a little bit, and I hear Army say that Jeff Jarrett and Big Bubba are up in the t-shirt stand for autographs. For those that don't know, Jeff Jarrett, pro wrestling, legendary pro wrestler, Big Bubba, who would later go on to become the big boss man in WWF and had quite a run there. You and I are both wrestling fans. That I barely caught him say that. And I'm like, wow, okay. I didn't hear that. I don't know if that was the first first really instance between the crossings of the motorsports right there. I motorsport and wrestling. Until you told me this right before we went on air here too, I didn't pick that part up. I, I never yeah. heard that. That's I, funny. Like I said, that I've watched this millions of times and I have not, I did not catch that until I, until I watched it a little bit earlier. That's funny. Yeah. That's yeah. funny. And then we get another classic Dave Grimism. I'm going to start yeah. calling him Grimisms. Every time he's featured on this podcast, it's a Grimism when he talks. Uh, you know what that, you know what they say, Army F O R D. It's a four letter word. Thank you for taking us back to kindergarten, Dave Grim. F O R D stands for first on race day. I think we can all, there, there might be a few people out there that disagree with that. Me as a Chevrolet fan included. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, we didn't really talk about it to the Dave Grimm, that whole funny thing with the, how many of you don't care. I'm just going oh, yeah. to the party. That's one of his iconic lines that he says. It's how many of you guys don't care and just want to party. <laughs> and that's very audible on, on tape. It's funny. Yes. That he's just screaming yep. it. It's just funny. And it, again, it probably, probably says how long it took for that round to happen exactly he's, he's yeah. trying he's, to keep him going i can imagine the announcers at this show it's especially towards the end of this bracket we're just as a person that's worked with monster jam we're whenever there's downtime we're literally just sitting there twiddling our thumbs and going all right fill time fill time fill time mm-hmm. <laughs> trying to think of ways to keep the crowd interjected and entertained in the event this had to be one of the first instances where they had to do that. And, you know, honestly, I hate to say it, but Dave Grimm's probably one of the better guys at the time to be able to do so with his, his crazy voice. Cause he has, he has a voice for broadcasting. He really does. He just, he's just, he's amped up. He yeah. reminds me of a presidential candidate a few years ago. Howard Dean, I think was his name where he, he grabs the <laughs> microphone. He just goes, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he reminds yeah, me of that guy that. a lot. It was uh, uh He's very much like that. But yeah, and this oh, yeah. Is, his whole thing before is funny with the floors and the four little word and everything trying to get people hyped. I'm sure it was exhausting by the end of the night for these announcers, though, with all the oh, downtime. I, I can definitely imagine. Army's there for the long haul, though, and he's right on it as well when he describes the starting line as the may the best Ford win. Mm-hmm. He also says that this looks like the Hill Street Blues right here, two Fords in the final. Army's just the best. Like yeah. it's, he adds such when you have the craziness of Dave Graham or even Army's been paired with a bunch of other people, he adds such a, uh, like an authenticity to the race. Like he makes it seem like it's a bigger deal than it always is. He knows exactly. what to say, when to say it and how to say it. And it's just, uh, you know, one he does one of the, one of the things that he said a few years ago, I was at an event that he covered at Eldora Speedway for monster truck challenge and someone they had like an open which i thought was cool rich schaefer did at the time he had an open discussion with the fans at intermission mm-hmm. and one of the fans i don't know i don't know how they picked this guy but he seemed like he kind of knew the sport a little bit and i don't remember his name but he asked army what he thought of this event versus what he what this fan believed as the rigged events that are put on by another promoter yeah. they're not okay. rigged trust me i worked them yeah but, so what do you uh, say that that's what the guy asked. That's what I remember him asking Army. Mm-hmm. Army said, "Listen, if you see this face, it's a race." Pointing to himself, and that is a hundred percent true with Army Armstrong. If you see his <laughs> face here, it's a race, and he makes it a race. His broadcasting ability, his the way that he described things, his ability to bring in a different analogy for every event is what makes him the great. As far as I'm concerned, the greatest not only live event announcer but greatest monster truck announcer we've ever had. I don't know how there's one could really have an argument against that, a strong argument, because Scott Douglas is great, but I think Scott Douglas himself would say Army yes. is the guy. And I believe Scott said that on his own podcast. Uh, yeah, that he, again, monster truck racing in its infancy, 
Army was just there on the mic for a lot of the things and he made so many, you know, the great analogies and mm-hmm. just with the gunfight, always his analogy with the gunfighting, um, it very much like drag racing, you know, he's doing the same thing. Cause I mean, that's really what it was. You got the one-on-one elimination racing, but he just, he injected drama in a spot where maybe there wasn't a lot of drama before. He was just a good storyteller with it and got people amped up. And he, even his interviews were great too, because he was very to the point, I guess. Yes. And um, he just always knew what to say. He wanted to get the point across. He wanted to get the point across, but he also wanted it to be an entertaining point. Yes. To keep the crowd invested into it. And I think that's why a lot of us grew up to feel like we were more knowledgeable about these trucks Mm -hmm. back in the day, because we had somebody like army that really pushed the knowledge of the trucks into our heads. We don't really get that nowadays. No. Um, And there've been some admirable attempts to sort of do that, but I feel like nobody's ever really got it right. No, you know, there's, there's been, People are too dry or sometimes a little too over the top. Nobody really gets it like Army or, or yeah. did get it like Army. I don't think that's nostalgia talking either. I think no, that, that's not nostalgia talking. That's 100% fact, just like what Army Armstrong would preach every time he was on the track. Yeah, he's just – it was great. And growing up in that era, always him on TV, it's the same. A lot of my love of monster trucks comes from Army Armstrong and yes. teaching you know, a little kid – and bringing some of the rivalry stuff up, you know, some of it wasn't completely there. I wouldn't say he manufactured it, but he, you know, he tried to put a little bit more. He manufactured it, but he sure knew how to sell it. Exactly. What was there he could sell. Well, yeah. he's just, I, he was great. Army Armstrong was great and he's the greatest of all time. And that's one of the nice things about you doing this podcast is you're going to get a lot of Army Armstrong. Oh here. yeah. That's, he's one of the main reasons I wanted to do it just for some of the Ar- army Armstrong isms out there yeah. that are just waiting to be discovered by some uh, fan that might tumble across this. That's more into what we see currently nowadays. Yep. Um, final round though, here we got Texas toy and Bigfoot for Texas toy known for, like I said, to be the top end truck. It's going to be the trucks that's there at the finish line. Uh, Bigfoot though is going to be the truck that's going to be at the finish line first. It just, he walks, all over Texas toy right here. It's it's a uh, beat on, on paper. There is no way in heck Bigfoot's going to lose this. And physically, when you watch the race, Bigfoot is literally jumped and landed on the cars before Texas toy even reaches them. Yeah. There's this race goes this way. 10 out of 10 times. The only reason I'd say maybe nine is because if there's a mechanical issue. Yeah. If there's no mechanical issue, there's no way. I mean, this is about as mis. I won't say as mismatched because Texas toy did okay in some of these rounds, but man, you're just, uh, on this kind of track too, especially there's just no time where you have yeah. Bigfoot four and it's big power and set up just smoking, <laughs> smoking yeah. the toy. Man, nothing against Texas toy. That truck was not, com- not battle ready as far as I'm concerned to be out there and doing what it does. But one thing I do want to point out is not one person expected that truck to be in the final. Uh, one thing I do want to adju- uh, quickly talk about here is day two of this event. There's really not much of a, uh, day two that's really filmed because i don't really i don't really think there were many trucks left after day one uh we end up with the same final in day two with bigfoot and texas toy and it's again it's another bigfoot just walks away with it kind of races uh at the end of this though we get bigfoot pulling right up next to army armstrong we get a really good look at the engine because you see rich hoosier does the flip hood on four which is something i miss yeah this is the flaunting you see the truck come up and then he just flips that hood up and you see those predator carburetors right there it's the uh this is like a victory lap if you will yeah. it's always when the when the it's over you know after running out of the stadium really quick every time which a lot of the trucks would do that just leave quick you know it was a quick uh, hey it's just your glamour shot yeah you no know? rich says here in his interview that he he honestly expected it to be mad dog in the final i don't know that he probably even knew what was happening until he drove out of the tunnel to see who he was racing in the final. He probably had no idea. He was just like, all right, cool. I'm going to go race. Then he gets out there and he sees mad dogs on the hook Yep. and he's racing Texas toy. I mean, in all honesty, I'm pretty sure rich had probably at that point had to have a little bit of a grin on his face. Oh, he knew he was winning. I mean, let's, <laughs> let's be real here. We're racers too. You know, yeah. there are times, you know, and I'm sure that he was, if you just watch this event in general, it's shocking that mad dog isn't in there because they're Bigfoot and mad dog are two trucks that would just cut above everybody at this event. Um, yeah. Yeah, and it was surprised. I'm sure he was surprised. I'm sure he was really surprised that they're 
you know, what had happened. And it's kind of confusing even to the viewer what happened. But yeah, a lot of times those guys are strapped in the trucks and they don't, they don't know they're called out for the finals. And yeah, I'm sure he's like, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. He's like, all right, cool. I'll, I'll take him on. All right. Yep. But anyway, it's time for the review portion of the podcast here. And uh, I'll go ahead and let you go first. Generally rate it. What you think this show was overall rating out of a uh, one through 10. You know, so for me, I would say 87 is tough to watch. Personally, I love to watch TNT. I think it's some of the most entertaining monster truck racing you can watch is still 88 through 90 TNT. Yes, I agree. 100%. It's fun. Almost every event is fun with great racing. This one, I would say I would give it maybe a five or I'm sorry, a four out of 10. I would rate it four out of 10. And probably two of those points are because of the crimson, uh, Crimson Crusher and the Mad Dog thing. If not for that, it's kind of a, a forgettable event, I guess. Just it's it's just one of those when you know what's coming later. Uh, even production-wise, as you said, it's kind of production yeah. a mess. They're trying to figure out what to do. Um, it's but, a bit of a mess. It jumps kind of all over the place. But in fairness, so does Return of the Monster Trucks. There are a few cuts in there where you're like, wait a minute. They do, sure. But in general, this early monster truck racing is not the early monster truck racing that we all necessarily look back on so fondly. I mean, I don't, I won't put that in everybody's mouth. I mean, that's just me knowing yeah. how, like there are so many events that are like eight, eight or tens in the next few years of TNT. If they're just, even now is riveting watching them with some of the yeah. battles that go on. And uh, you just don't have that here. You just don't have a lot of the, you don't have your digger. You don't have your USA one. You don't have your equalizer. You don't have the crusher or Carolina crusher. Yeah. You, you don't have the, the awesome lineup that you would have at a normal TNT event. And I think that's what downgrades it a little bit. My rating, you're actually a little harsher than me. I gave it a five out of 10. And the main reason I gave it a five out of 10 is because the wacky pairing of army Armstrong and Dave Grimm to me still makes me chuckle. The fact yeah. that you have still what I believe to be the race of 1987 between Crimson Crusher and Mad Dog. Bigfoot establishing its dominance just like it did in 86, 87, uh, all the way into 88. This truck was incredibly hard to beat. I think it only had – there are probably people out there that will prove me wrong, but I, I, I believe going into 88, Bigfoot had only lost two races. And one of those races wasn't even really – a race track it was philadelphia and it was virginia giant taking on bob chandler and bigfoot one and the crack wasn't even even the oh, other man. race excalibur defeated it in canada uh in a straight up race which a lot of people don't remember because there wasn't anything but a home video camera that caught that event mm. um main main reason i gave it a five out of ten though was the seriousness that it did take with the rollover of crimson crusher and almost at the end of it goes into a comedy aspect when you get Dale throwing his hands up in the air goes, all right, who won? That was great. Yeah. That was yeah. a great part when that was just, he asked who won because it was a good race. And in yes. general, that's, that's the racer mentality, right? Yeah. That's, that's definitely the racer's mentality. And you could tell he knew he was probably going to be spending a lot of money. And that, that's the other thing too. I want to bring up that truck actually comes out the next night. I there's I yeah, the footage of it, it actually races, but he comes out and you see footage of this truck just completely demolished from night one. And it's out there on the track. And to me, that's that's the biggest accomplishment of the weekend was just, you know what? Hey, I may not be able to compete, but by God, I'm still out here on the track. Yeah, sure. And that's that's that is really cool. Yeah, it's um again for 87, I think it's a good event. I just put the only reason I put, you know, with mine, I guess rating it harsh on it, um, is because I know in comparison, there's a lot of other really good stuff that I think is yes, really merits the high-end stuff. Like this isn't a race that there's sometimes to relax. I will put on just old monster truck stuff on YouTube. Now it's easy on YouTube. You know, back in the day, you used to be tape trading. Yeah, but, back um, in the day, you had to know a guy that know a guy that knew a guy that could cross-record two VCRs together to make a VHS copy of an event that happened in 1987. Yep, yep. And so it this isn't one with everything that's available now. You know, how easy it is to find whatever event you want on YouTube or wherever. Yeah. It's not one I really would revisit much. I don't, but I'm, I'm that way with 87. I just watched the next three years. I enjoy so much. And I watched the next three years of TNT. Um, that is, that's probably my favorite monster truck stuff to watch on YouTube actually Yeah, is the next three years. Yeah. That's, that's what I find myself binge watching. Like if you and I are both RC racers, we both have nights where we're sitting in a workshop and we're, we really, we want something playing in the background, either whether it's just for noise or whatever. For me, generally it's always 1990 TNT. 
That's when have that playlist on a loop and I'll just sit there and watch every, every single one of those races. And whenever one comes up, I'm like, Ooh, I'll just, I'll stop working for a second just to pay attention to TNT. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's just exciting stuff. So yeah, I'm looking forward to being on another one of these at some point here. Um, one of the other, the later events, those would be a lot of fun to talk about with one of the all-star lineups, if you will. But, um, uh, yeah, I'm thank you for having me. After, hey, no problem, man. Anytime. Uh, after this one, uh, obviously this this has been a really cool episode. I'm glad you could join me. Uh, I really want to start getting into some uh, TNT 1990s era stuff. Mm-hmm. I've covered USHRE event. Now I've covered a TNT event. Uh, I really want to get into a deep dive into one of my favorite monster truck events of all time. And that 1990, we're going to stay, stick with Louisville. And we're going to go to one of the classic monster truck events of all time, but we're going to go to the figure eight Louisville, 1990 figure eight racing. If you haven't seen this event, watch it. Trust me. It is well worth your watch. Ladies and gentlemen, though, for this one, that's been the retro monster truck review. And as I always say, keep the rubber side down, keep the shiny side up. 